And a very good evening to you all. Welcome to Tuesday Night Live on Crowcast. Uh, we're brought to you on Tuesday nights by Bigfooty.com, obviously, um, the place to be if you want to talk about footy, uh, AFL, and uh, Adelaide in particular on the Adelaide board. Uh, no Peter J tonight, well, at least not uh, to start with. He might join us a little bit later. Um, but I do have with me Nikki New and Donos. How are you going, guys? Try again. How are you going, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I muted you. I'm nearly. <laughs> well done. I'm nearly finished my ice cream. Excellent. News. I'm good. A good Phoenix. It's good to be back. It's been a few weeks, so. Yeah, very good Looking to have you back, to Dan. We missed you. We've we've missed your voice of reason, mate. Yes. I'm sure you have. Turned into a bit of a rabble lately, and uh, we just need someone to straighten us up a bit. I know, I keep talking too much. Yeah, I'm not going to comment on that whatsoever. (laughs) So, um, tonight we're a little bit light on. Um, The interviews that we've got uh, coming through haven't come to fruition uh, for this evening's cast, um, and we have no other special guests of any mention. So for those of you who are listening in, uh, please join us on chat and, uh, you know, if you're feeling really brave, uh, give us a buzz on Skype. I've got Skype open at the moment. Uh, we'll take a couple of calls, have a bit of a chat. Um, but uh, in the interim, we'll start off with uh, Nikki's news. Where are you going, Nikki? Well, for me, the biggest thing that came out of the weekend was Besides the umpiring that we're not going to speak about, are we, Phoenix? We're not speaking about that at all. No. Um, except for the fact that on poll on the AFL website, 62% um, saying that it should be a free. Whoops, AFL. Is no, I think the Nikki. Alex Rance thing. <laughs> what? <laughs> we're not Alex covering Rance anything here. we covered on Sunday night, remember? Yeah, I know. Well, Danos is here. He can cover it. Because <laughs> we haven't heard his opinion. I think it might be very similar. Um, I was very, I mean, yes, it was a lapse in judgment. It was stupid, particularly in light of the fact that there had been the king hit um, on that young footballer, I think Cronin, I think their surname was, and he passed away and he had they had his cousin leading Richmond out for that Sorry, game. Sorry, Nikki, Nikki it's, a, yep. it's not a king hit. It's a coward punch. Coward punch, sorry. Yes, correct. It's a coward punch. And then for Rance to go and do that, and for me, actually, what was then compounded even worse was the Channel 7 commentators trying to excuse it and say that, oh, he shouldn't really be reported, he shouldn't get a week, he was just frustrated. Sorry, too bad. He looked at the back of Watts' head and he watched the entire time as he brought his forearm and his elbow down on a player who was unprotected. It was just disgusting. The fact that he's only ended up with two weeks, I presume whether he's accepted that or not, is that that was just shocking. And then Cullington, did either of you guys see Cullington drop his knees into Ablett quite deliberately? Yeah. I also heard uh, Brent Harvey defending him on SEN this afternoon. Yeah, whatever. Apparently, Apparently he got his foot caught underneath Gary Ablett and couldn't do anything about falling into him. <laughs> I think Brent, at his advanced age, might need to go to an optometrist. Perhaps. I mean, he's because only four foot was... three, though, so maybe he had a different angle. <laughs> 
very interesting. If you actually watch the vision, Cunnington has a clenched fist. He brings it back. And because Ablett goes down, he drops the fist and then goes in with the knees instead. He was going to hit Ablett any which way he could prior to that. There was That was so intentional. I couldn't believe how dirty North Melbourne were that game. That, that so, surprised me. So what you're saying is, is, is that it's a good thing that Ablett has learnt so well to duck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh dear! Put a balls down. Um, and then I do like this that Matthew Wallace has just put it in there. Free kick to Hawthorne. Everybody needs to be using that hashtag on Twitter. <laughs> Everything's a free kick to Hawthorne. I was yeah, it was quite funny how that sort of compounded over the weekend with a lot of neutral supporters. And do we want to kind of start having a little run through the ladder or not, uh, Phoenix? Uh, we'll do that a little bit later on. Um, yeah. I just the comment that I'd make about Rance is that I thought it was exceedingly self-indulgent of him to come out and actually hold a press conference today, um, yeah. lam- lamenting how bad he felt, how it was the lowest point of his career, etc., etc., etc. It's not about you, Alex. It's about Jack no. Watts. You yes. know, he played and, well. You know the fact that Rance was. You know, narcissistic enough to want to come out, and he was more concerned about his name and reputation. Um, says a lot about the individual and his character. So, um, you know, uh, and, that's about and as somebody pointed out, Richmond have form with whacking players in the back of the head. Well, Tyrone Vickery, Vickery, even Marich. Vic- Vickery was the front of the, of the head, not the back of the head. But yeah, it was but, it, but he, came, he came from the back. Came from behind, yeah, he just has long arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And a dad who's taught him how to box. Um, what else is the other big thing? Uh, there was something and it's gone now. <laughs> so obviously it's, uh, yeah. The, the uh, enemy? So what you would... <laughs> oh, yes, now. They're a shambles. I, I've got no idea quite what's going on in there, but there's it's not just wrong at the AFL level, it's wrong at their reserves level. There seems to be a complete disconnect between the coaching staff and the players, well, and possibly the, between um, the, front office the players well. themselves. Yeah, and then the front office who are all about kicking goals off field, but it's very much, and they're going to, supporters are going to hate me for saying this, in contrast to our admin, who the focus is primarily on getting a footy department resourced, functioning well, and then they go after the extra on the outside. It's always the footy department comes first. Unfortunately, it seems that their focus for Port has been on the outside and thinking that the inside's going to look after themselves well, and probably rightly so that, to a point. Yeah, because they did need to fix it. They they yeah. were in trouble. And a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, um, their inner workings were quite good and took them to within a kick of the grand final. And it was yeah. their outer workings <sighs> that needed a whole lot of stuff to happen for them. 
Now, and I think they, they obviously, it, to me, it seems like they took the foot off the pedal on the inner and pressed down on the outer thinking that it would just keep going the way it was going because they had the best fitness trainer and they had the best coach and that's all gone to shit now. But if you actually looked at that year, no, they didn't. They did at the start until halfway through the season when everybody else figured out this is exactly what they're doing and the fitness came back to the same level pretty much as everybody else or most of the top sides. And they did not play well in the second half of the year. Yes, they got a kick away from a grand final, but I think 2014 was the aberration. They were crap beforehand and they've been crap afterwards. And everybody keeps overrating Port saying, oh, they've got such great depth. They've got all of this. They're so fit. As you just said then, Danos, no, I think 2014 was very much an aberration and it was only for the start of the year and and it's been glossed over the cracks of what was actually really there and I think was revealed in 2014 in that Ken, second half of the, the year. Ken Hin- the Ken Hinckley spike. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's that parallel between him and Sando is really scary. Yep. And you actually look at those coaches who have come from under Bomber, he's the only one I think really left, isn't he, as a head coach in the, in the AFL. The others have all failed. Who was the other one? McCartney. McCartney was under him, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, McCartney. And uh, Neil was initially, and then went to um, Collingwood. Went to the, yeah. Sando. Yep, Sando. Yeah, it's interesting. So, yeah, everybody was after Geelong was so dominant. Bomber must be doing right. Let's steal um, the the assistants because they've been through that system. They know how good it is. Yeah, don't think so. That's been shown. I think clubs wanted Geelong's IP uh, and they probably valued that more highly than individual coaching skill. And I think the death of Hinckley's coaching career in a way was when Richardson left and went to St Kilda and when Walsh left as well. Yep. Because they they knew the numbers. They knew exactly what port were running. They knew exactly how they were. And you think they didn't tell the or other people who have actually been headhunted from out of port, that IP does get out. So yeah. they, they don't have this spike. And interestingly, I did hear that a, a Geelong fitness person um, short, during 2014 uh, was asked about Burgess and the way he was playing them and everything else, and he just said he's running them too hard. They're not soccer players, and you look at their injuries that they're getting, and I think a lot of the impact injuries possibly could have been caused by that overtraining. Well, it's interesting that Burgess was lauded in the in the competition as a guru, um, and now that they're not running out games and they've uh, you know succumbed to a few uh, soft tissues. There's not really much talk about Burgess. At, well, there's none. There's no mention of Burgess at all in the conversation. And yet, you know, the, the guy probably needs to uh, take on board some of the fitness failures uh, that they're experiencing at the moment. Uh, if he's going to take the good, he's got to take the bad as well, I would have thought. Unfortunately, without a pre-season to um, do the work in, 
if it, there's a couple of teams at the moment who just appear to have not done the right preseason, and there's mm. other teams that look like they've done it spot on. Mm. I agree with that. But clearly, and, Fremantle haven't done the right preseason. <laughs> no, that's oh. right. Well, it doesn't doesn't help because a lot a few of theirs. I think I think the majority of their um, injuries are kind of like impact or you know twisting. They're just things that you you can't stop. So Fremantle have been cursed. Now, uh, Bentry, he said. Uh, remember what Jason Ackermana said at the start of the season? What was, yeah, what was that, Ben? Must have been something about Burgess or Port. Uh, I'm trying to remember the the comments that Acker made, but it was along the lines of what we're talking about at the moment. Well, conversely, remember when our new fitness head was appointed? There was a lot of talk about jobs for the boys and he's been at Brisbane. And they were crap. Um, how are we going? Yeah, my, my only comment to that, and I've, I reckon I've said this before, but my judgment on fitness dudes is always in the second year. Um, yeah. Because in the first year, they're riding on the back of last year's fitness base. So, um, and you know, I guess that's been uh, borne out in Burgess's current predicament. Um, and I think we we'll need to wait till next year. Uh, before we can judge uh, Bird in the same capacity. Um, without spending too much time on Port, I'd also like to touch on the uh, headline in today's uh, paper, Nikki. And that was because I don't get the crappetizer. I uh, refuse not, to give them money. Well, neither do I, but apparently the uh, rumour of alleged indiscretions between the Boke and Hartlett households uh, was covered it really is a tabloid. And there, we don't want to get into specifics. Um, I don't want to get sued. Um, but yeah, I think it for that sort of a story to come out, you know, irrespective of the truth or otherwise of that story, I think for that to come out, it does highlight that the media are aware of a lot of unrest within the playing group down at uh, down at Alberton. Um, and, you know, it, it, it doesn't bode well for that club. They've got some massive list management problems. They've got um, obvious uh, player discontent. That's a, and they've that's got a, a lot long... of long-term, contra- long-term contracts for a lot of these players as well. Exactly. So tr- if, they, if they try to offload them, that's going to be really difficult. Expensive for them. Yeah, it's going to be a long well, road back for that club. And then you combine that with Kosh taking things public on Twitter and, and doing things media-wise when you've got a situation like this, it needs to be dealt more in-house initially before you take it outside. Out, outside to the media is a last resort because there's no other way around it is the only way I can see that. It was interesting listening to Ruin Dits this morning um, and uh, Rashida in particular was quite in favour of Koshi's approach and felt that it showed strong leadership, etc., etc. To me, it surprised me actually because Rue has been largely silent in his own capacity as you know, king maker, game changer down at Adelaide. Um, 
and for him to support such a public uh, lambasting, lambasting of, of the club by Kosh, uh, I wonder whether Rue's just throwing a bit of petrol on the fire or something, I don't know. But uh, I, I certainly think actions speak louder than words and Koshy should have done that behind closed doors and, um, you know, you don't beat your chest, you just go about and, and fix things. Now Ben has just sent a sent us a link to I assume Akamanis's um comments. Yeah, it's to five double A and he said that Port would be bottom four. There you go. He's a crazy but intelligent man, Mr. Akamanis. <laughs> well yeah. I gotta I gotta say I, I had Port in my top eight. At the start of the year, why it was wrong? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I had Yeah, Matt reckons Rue was trolling poor. I, I tend to agree. Actually, it doesn't seem Rue's style to support grandstanding like David Kosh did. Anyway, we probably should move on from Port and talk about some of the other uh, uh, teams. It's probably a good opportunity after um, you know five rounds to. Um, to talk about where teams are at at this uh, early stage of the season. Um, we've got a game do coming we, up. Sorry, go on. Yeah, I was going to say, do we want to start at the top of the ladder or the bottom? Because the one that's at the very bottom is uh, coming opponents. Yeah, well, that's what I was about to say. The, we've got a game coming up against Fremantle, who are probably the, the most surprising team out of all uh, this year. Um, and Lyons been pretty upfront and honest, almost blasé to a point. Uh, about their predicament. Um, what are your thoughts, Nick? Well, when you've got eight of your best 22 missing and somebody actually put a list up on the board saying, well, here's the equal of we would be without Jacobs, Walker, Jenkins, Sloan. I think they put in like Douglas. Um, and, and you keep going on. That's a fair whack out of your best 22. You you can have some good depth in an AFL side, but you're not going to have that much in terms of quality to come back in. I think why Ross has been so blasé is he has that five-year deal and he knows he has to change his game plan. He brought in two new assistants to actually help assist him. So, of course, from Hawthorne. So working on their IP again, as we were just discussing before. But, yeah, sometimes how they just haven't given a whimper has been amazing. But you can kind of understand it with those injuries they've been getting and now to lose Fife as well. And that could actually be quite a difficult comeback for him because that's the same leg. He's broken it above the plate. He's... Yeah, that I think that's going to be a, a difficult injury to come back from. And if anybody can do it, it would be him. But it, it, I think it this weekend could almost end up like it was that game back in two thousand and nine. So yeah. when you say when you say uh, you just put out a couple of names, um, you said uh, Jacobs Walker. Sloan, Douglas, and someone else. 
Jenkins. Jenkins. So who who I are think, you who are you referring to? Well, if, if, being into so if we lost Fremantle? if we lost if we lost them those kind of players. Well, they've got Sandlin's out. They've Bundy out. They've now got Fife out. Yeah. Um, Johnson out. So that would be possibly Talia. Um, Ballantyne. Who are this? Yeah, Ballantyne. So Eddie. Yep. That's going to change our team very, very much. Yeah, it and is, yeah. So I think everybody's going, oh, Fremantle is shit. Look at it in the context there. There's eight players and think about your own side. Take equivalent players out and go, well, okay, how are you going to cope with a season that's fairly as even as it is so far this year? Well, all we can do on Saturday afternoon is uh, play the team that they bring to Oppose us and precisely what it looks like at the moment is that they're very much under strength and they really shouldn't put up much of a fight. And I, I honestly think that um, Lyon got some buy in from the board um, at the end of last season yeah. saying, Look, we're going to have to restructure, we're going to have to bring in some new blood. I mean, they've played the same team basically for the last three or four years. Uh, there's not been a lot of personnel change, and it's the same thing as Ross did at St Kilda. He backed the players in. He's very loyal to his player base, much like Neil Craig, actually, in that regard. And uh, eventually the team just runs out of steam. I mean, Pav's a shadow of his former self this He's season. He's four years old or something. Exactly. It's a bit of a yeah. It's a bit of a shame that he ran around again, you know, and I know he's probably chasing a flag, but now he's got to go through the whole bloody season you know, um, with with nothing at the end of it, really. Um, but I reckon I reckon they're going to go through a bit of a rebuild. I don't think they're going to try too hard to win games this year, Nick, to be honest. I think they'll be happy with a top no. five pick. You also have to think that uh, guys like Pavlich and Johnson only really stayed on because they've got so close over the last couple of years and they didn't get the McCarthy deal across the line. And you'd have to think yeah. that that'll be their number one priority. Um in this uh, this year's trade period, um, if they if they end up with uh, like a first or second pick in the draft, based on the latter at the moment, there's no way they're going to be able to trade that for. Um, no way they will trade that for McCarthy. He's he's not worth a first or second pick. So yeah. they're going to have to lose some players to be able to get um, currency to play to uh, trade for him. Yeah, lucky Neil is the uh, increasing whisper, and Chris um, Main. Chris Main, I hadn't heard that one. Um, yeah, so he was. He, there was an article about him on the AFL website uh, three, four days ago, five, six days ago. Okay. Yeah, is he a Victorian player? He's a Victorian. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's yeah. very, very interesting that Barrett has been quite strong that the Crows are very into Neil. And as much as people hang Barrett out and think he's a uh, ambulance chaser, etc., he does have good contacts. And generally what he says, unlike certain other journalists, tends to come pretty close to occurring. Yeah, he's a oh, nod, but he gets it right probably I about think, 60% think, of the time. I think a lot of a lot of our feelings are moulded by some of the stuff that was happening last year, and that'll turn out to be true. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if we, um, 
Sorry, go on. So if we move on to the next one up on the ladder. Oh, just before just before that, um, Vardy Magic, yes, I completely agree. Um, this is the type of game that in the past we uh, have dropped. Uh, now, he's just said, beware the wounded dockers, nothing to lose. We're a chance of getting ahead of ourselves. Absolutely, I think you're spot on the, the money. We can't take this for granted. No, and I don't think we will. Well, a certain amount of redemption from last week needs to be um, gained by our group. Um, you know, whichever way you look at it, we let a game slip that we should have won. So uh, if the team doesn't come out hungry for a smacking after that one, um, then we've got some attitude problems, I think. I think we've got a ring in, Phoenix. Ooh. Who have we got? How do you know? Have a look on the... Um, the <laughs> Hello, Peter. Evening, folks. How are we going? Oh, Peter, how are we? Good, mate. I'm sorry to join the cast late, but uh, as I said, just uh, drove in the vehicle from the Melbourne, uh, the big Melbourne Anzac trip. So uh, I'm just busy trying to unload and get kids organised and all that good stuff. Very good. Well, actually, it's, per- it's perfect timing because we were just about to talk about Essendon and you actually saw them on Monday. I didn't. I did. It was a it was a, a magnificent day. I'm really really glad that I went, and you know that really the result had no uh, great bearing on the on the on the day itself um, for for a neutral. It was a, a very very enjoyable day, and it was a beautiful weather, and and the atmosphere was just absolutely fantastic. It really was. It was you know great music, and you know the pregame and and uh, the service was terrific, and and even though the game was was disappointing in the end, although interestingly enough, Essendon outscored Collingwood in the second half. I think uh, it was just a case, really, of um, um, Essendon coming out and probably being a bit overawed, um, and the, the Collingwood Stars side bottom and and Pendlebury really stood up in, in in what is a huge occasion. I think that in the end that was probably the difference between the sides in the first half. But from the point of view of actually going and experiencing an Anzac Day game, it was um, it didn't lose anything. I mean, not that I've been to any others, but it certainly didn't seem to me to lose anything. It felt like a grand final. Um, 85,000 people and a magnificent day and and most importantly, uh, Carlton Draft, only $7.50 a cup. <laughs> <laughs> you listening, Adelaide Oval, the SMA? Wait, is that is that cheap compared to Adelaide? Oh, yes. Oh, my Lord. I've become complacent Don't... here in Canberra. I can get a $4.50 Carlton Draft. Uh, yes. you, you need to pay $5 something, I think, for a water. Isn't a Bring cup of beer nine bucks at, at Adelaide Oval? Something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Um, Pete, at the moment we're just going through a few of the uh, notables um, after five rounds, uh, a few of the notable teams, and we've we've covered Fremantle and uh, uh, we've covered um, Essendon just then. And um, we can go through and Paul, obviously. Um Nick, the other couple that I wanted to talk about, North Melbourne Kangaroos, mm-hmm. I think, have probably surprised people. Um, where do you see them at? Do you think it's? Do you think their position on the ladder is inflated, or do you think that they're a genuine chance this year? I think they're a possible chance, and I think it is slightly inflated. They they played us. Okay, that was a, a tough game, but their other ones. 
not so much. I mean, they went up to Gold Coast and they won up there, which is actually quite good for them because that's their first win, actually, I think, up at Metricon. But they were lucky because there was, like, basically no defence for Gold Coast. So I think they've been a little bit lucky. But they have played well, to be fair. But I think they're probably more around the 3-4 position is, I think, where they might end up maybe five, it's really, it's really, really going to be even up the top there. And it's whoever takes their chances. And so far they have taken their chances. I don't know about you, Danos, um, but the thing I see about North Melbourne is that there hasn't been any really significant personnel changes in that team. And they're quite a mature team. I mean, you've got Daniel Wells back after a season out, basically, um, which certainly helps them out. But do you see it that way, that they're just... Um, kind of draw-assisted at the moment and really um, there doesn't seem to be any significant impetus for their improvement? Their best wins uh, against the, the higher-placed sides this year have been against us and Gold Coast. Um, the other ones haven't been against uh, current top eight sides. Um, this one this week against Bulldogs is really going to show us what they're made of. However, as we know, what what has happened with us in the past is winning a few games early on can really improve your confidence. And I really suspect that's what's happened to Fremantle in the opposite direction. Um, In terms of their personnel, a lot of their personnel changes were last year. um, Mm. That When they brought in weight and against all expectations, it's been fantastic for them. Yeah. Clearly, clearly, he uh, is a bit of a downhill skier and uh, tends to do, seems to be doing better in a better side rather than at the scrabble, the whatever we, the rabble. He does look fit. He, he does look fitter, Jared Way. He looks fitter he and does. more sound. You know what I mean? He doesn't look so fragile. Yeah, most frail, like he was going to fall apart at Carlton. Mm. And Sean Sean Higgins is the same. He was going to fall apart at the Bulldogs. Yeah, um, and it just. Those guys are two of their most important players, and Nick Del Santo, of course, as well. Yeah. On that, Dan Oz, I actually wondered at the time with Higgins, with all those injuries he had, and they said, oh, North picked him up, he's so injury prone. Is that actually possibly an indictment on the Bulldogs' fitness staff? Because you look at the number of injuries they keep getting there as well. And they've been consistently getting injuries and often there are they are the hamstrings and those soft tissue injuries. Nobody's actually really raised that there seems to be this pattern with the Bulldogs. Well, it's a definite possibility. Um, I don't know who their fitness staff are. I couldn't tell you whether our fitness staff are any different to any other club's fitness staff, to be perfectly honest. But they do seem to have a pattern. You're right. And that... Sorry, have we talked about Melbourne at all tonight? I, I just asked that because I, went, I saw them on Sunday night um, at the G as part of my trip. I saw the Melbourne-Richmond game and I was very, very impressed with them. They're very, very good side at the moment, Melbourne. We talked about rants. Yeah, it was a, um, I didn't actually see that hit, but I was really, really impressed with Jay Viney. He was, uh, he was absolutely fantastic, um, as was um, hiking up and down the ground and, and gone and Got a lot of really, you know, good good players playing good football at the moment, and and they're just um, um, playing a good attacking brand of football, not dissimilar to what we play. 
and uh, and executing pretty well. And Richmond came at them pretty hard. I have to say, there was a couple of times when Richmond came at them hard, and I thought that they might um, they might cave. But they're pretty resilient. And um, there's a fair one thing I did notice is a fair bandwagon starting to uh, <laughs> take hold in over in the members in the MCC members. Let me tell you, I wouldn't be surprised if those Melbourne supporters are not uh, bandwagoning, but are just coming back because they've never really experienced or they haven't experienced success for fifteen, sixteen years. A fair few Land yeah, Rovers were... in the car park at the moment, Pete. Are they? <laughs> Plenty of those, and plenty of um, plenty of chinos and RMs getting around yeah. the MCG. Um, and uh, but no, it was, it was a good game of football. And Richmond were very, very disappointing. Of course, they uh, they seemed to. I just you know they gave a, they gave a couple of yelps, but just uh, could not sustain um, what they what, what they were trying to do for any any great period of time. And it was um, it was a good night of the football, but uh, but Melbourne too good. And interestingly enough, one of the things you know we talk about all of the uh, sophisticated pre-game entertainment of Port and, and the like and all the publicity surrounding that. Interesting that the Melbourne team um, at the breaks would have Russell Robertson going out there with a couple of others, getting people in the crowd and taking hangers on bags and they um, and they called themselves Hogan's Heroes and they had the old Hogan's Heroes theme music playing over the drums. Oh, bloody as, hell. Uh, as I were, it was just so corny. No, but it was, no. So corny no and so cheesy, but it was just hilarious. And the crowd loved it. You know, the crowd sort of clapping along to the old Hogan's Heroes music. It was really good stuff. <laughs> but in a um, way, no wonder Hogan's not playing so well. There's all that pressure on him. <laughs> I, love, I love that old, you know, it's unsophisticated, corny, cheesy stuff, yeah. but, um, but it was good fun. Um, ben raises a good point on the chat uh, regarding Melbourne. Uh, whether the attacking style that they're now playing is a is a uh, consequence of Goody maybe taking over the reins a little bit more firmly down there. I think it is. I think we we saw that in pre season where Goody was pretty much in charge, and they were playing a lot more attacking then. Then it started the proper season, and they kind of went back to the ruse way. And they didn't do so well, and then they seem to have changed it up again these past couple of weeks, and it's very much worked out for them. I, I think there is a a lot more of the Goodwin influence happening. Well, we also know um, from past history of what Ruse has done with his sides, and they've always been dour, so um, there has to be some sort of influence from somewhere else, and the most obvious place is Goodwin. And it would make. And this sense is the too. last year. Yeah, that's right. It makes sense too. If they're going to transition to Goody, they've got to transition to his game plan, and uh, um, you know it seems that that's what they're doing. And and good luck to it's good to see Melbourne bounce back after all these years. You know, I don't I don't mind it as long as uh, when we play them at the G, they fall in a hole and uh, don't uh, continue to be one of those teams that we should be and never do. Yeah, they'll be very hard to beat this year, especially over there. They'll be hard to beat. Yeah. The other one I wanted to talk about briefly is Geelong. Um, we all kind of scoffed a little bit at their um, you know, decisions pre-season regarding their recruiting, but it does seem to have held them in good stead, even though, um, you know, aside from danger, they didn't pick up what I would call A-class quality. They seem to be travelling all right. Are they relying on too few at the moment? 
Is that I think they're terribly overrated. I, I really do. Sorry, Daniel. I, I think they. I still think they're very overrated. I think they got Hawthorne in, in game one when Hawks weren't probably quite ready. But since then, all they've done is beaten what Essendon, Brisbane, Port, um, and they got um, they got beaten by GWS. And I, I think that they've. We talked. I think earlier in the season about how easy a draw they've got, and I think that in the end that will probably get them over the line. I think they've got somebody. They've got Gold Coast at home next week. I mean, they've got a ridiculous draw. Um, and I think that though, that once they start playing some quality sides, I honestly believe they'll get found out. I really I, I really do. I, I think that they're terribly overrated. I'm agreeing with Peter. Well, I hope that that's the case because I couldn't think of anything better than to see them crash out early on. But I think I think my my jury is still out on whether they are a good side or not. They don't seem to be a good side on paper, um, but they seem to be able to put it together. Uh, danger's got to be a lock for the Brownlow at this stage, surely. Um, I don't think there's maybe one game that he wouldn't hold maximum. Um, GWS. Nah. Yeah, I, I think he's almost got a locked up with all the publicity surrounding surrounding him in Victoria that you know the umpires have proven that they're meatheads so they're not going to be able to ignore that Plus, no, that's actually... the key Phoenix he's, he's a VFL player now that's the key exactly and you know he has been putting up good numbers he has been prominent in their wins um, you know and good luck to him I guess you know that's that's fine um, but I, I'm like you Danos I'd love to see them fall in on, on the back of a good draw and then just get found out you know, week one of the of the finals and get humiliated. Hopefully it's um, us that does it to them. Yeah, that'd be nice. I've got a query. Can somebody please explain to me why the Port supporters were so offended by Dangerfield that they had to boo him? Wouldn't you think they would be cheering him because he's not with the Crows anymore? Yeah, I found that humorous too. It was like he was their ex-girlfriend that they just, you know, he jilted them. Maybe uh, there were some Crow supporters there that bolstered Port's attendance figure. <laughs> they just went along to practice the booing. Yeah, yeah. For the upcoming right. Friday night. Who knows? I wouldn't put, put that past some of our supporters. Well, Hank was there. And finally, I just wanted to touch on the Hawks. Obviously, they're the uh, reigning champions, and uh, we might... Talk about them briefly, and then Pete, we might uh, have a chat with you about your impressions um, at the ground. Uh, Nikki and I, um, you know, I certainly threw my toys out of the pram on Sunday night, but it'd be good to get your perspective. But before we get to that, the Hawks, your general impressions of Hawks—they're they're just going at the moment, but um, that they, they still seem to be a cut above when the going gets tough. They've been pushed. They're not playing well, and I think it's that experience that's getting them over the line. They know how um, to win. Yeah, but I haven't been that impressed with them, with the wins that they're doing. The Eagles, they beat up on them. The Cats, they lost to. The Bulldogs, that was a good game, but as people said, free kick to Hawthorne. The Saints game. They were pushed and pushed hard by the Saints, and I think it was similar to our game. It was the inexperience of the Saints players that probably helped out there. 
so, and if you look how close those last two ones are, and I actually rate the Saints. I, I think the Saints won't play finals this year, but I think they will definitely be pushing towards that next year. Um, they, they will jag some wins this year against quality size that will surprise some people. But I think they're building. They're ones I think that they're going to come up. So, yeah, I'm a little – their experience is very good and their systems are very good. We know that. But I think they're vulnerable, a little bit vulnerable, whereas in previous years we've just kind of looked at them and gone, yeah, they're the benchmark, but I don't think we can quite make it. And to be honest, I think that's probably why North Melbourne is top at the moment and why people aren't talking them down more than they are because the there's no really standout fantastic sides. No. No, it's very even. Very even. I still, um, I hug, and I know we weren't going to cover anything that we talked about on Sunday night, uh, Nick, but I'll make one exception, <laughs> um, only because I love those little heat mats. But it was... You know, I went through and had a look at those in a little bit more detail and compared them to some of the other teams and previous rounds and all the rest of it. Hawthorne, you know, for all Clarkson coming out and saying, you know, the Crows play a unique brand, Hawthorne are one of the few teams, if any other team, whose possession is concentrated around the middle of the ground. They're still the only team that reset on transition. You know, it's quite evident when you have a look at at um, the plot of their ball movement against us and against other teams, that when they move out of defence into attack, it's far more considered. Uh, They spread across the middle and then they uh, use the ball going into the forward line probably better than any other team, I reckon. Um, And so they still are playing a unique style of football because there's not any other team that's doing it that way, according to those possession maps anyway. What was your impression, Peter? Um, probably a little bit difficult in the sense that being, being at the game, it was one of those incredibly, um, you know, as you would have seen on TV, high-pressure, exciting games. And so you're very much following the ball. And whilst I can be fairly animated during a close game, when, when it gets to the last sort of couple of minutes and it's close like that, I tend to shut down and put you know put my head in my hands and just look at look at the floor and just to hope that the, the, the time passes and and you know we just walk away with a result so um it was it was a pretty stressful sort of as a spectator it was a highly stressful game to sit through um, just what you might call there pete sorry, sorry mate. Just, just what you might call it's just rubbing on something there Sorry, and so yeah highly highly stressful game to sort of to sit through and, and to actually make any sense of um, but it was just one of those, um, they just seemed to be out of, uh, um, I think, I think Phoenix, you're right. They seem to get very, very, you know, clean possession through the middle. And once they do, um, you know, set up in that way, they're very, very hard, very hard to defend against. Um, and, uh, they look really to score against us at Wheeler on, on, a, on a few occasions. So they were very difficult, um, from our perspective, um, I think I was. I've been sort of having a little bit of a tantrum today about Brody Smith's turnover, and and I've, you know probably made a lot of that, and I'll have to go back and try and explain myself a bit. But I just 
I could just see it's at the ground that when that happened and, and I was in the AFL members and so the ball was transferred out my way and I just you could just see the game open up for Hawthorne. I just had a sense at that time that it was just a huge moment in the game and I could sense with the crowd and, you know, that the, the lift that they got from the crowd and they got that goal and I was just, you know, just with the atmosphere at the game, was I was just desperately worried at that point because I thought that, you know, we're gone here because you could just sense that Hawthorne were really, really, you know, you know up for it and had been given some uh, some momentum. And um, and then when they got, of course, when they got the double goal, you know, with Rioli very, very quickly, I just didn't, I gave us very little hope at that point uh, because, you know, you know, it's like at Adelaide Oval when, you you know, you come back and, you know, the crowd's behind you and you're jumping. That was yeah. just why I just felt that at 15 points up, with a with few minutes to play, the crowd was just about out of the game. And if we could just, uh, if Brody could have just either possessed or done something, preferably kick a goal because I don't know if it was on TV, you could see it on TV, but if that ball gets to seeds when Betts is in the square by himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He kicked so, it, so, I think, watching it so, on telly, yep. the impression I had was that he was trying to get a seedsman just that little bit ahead of the Hawthorne player so he could, could do that break. He just kicked it too far. Got, no, I think, a little too it. excited. He kicked it behind him, Nick. It was a it was an utter shank and it was a choke. And I, I agree with what you've written on the forums today, Pete, um, about Smithers. That's He's a 100-game player now and that ball needed to be put, if anywhere, it needed to be put anywhere out in front and and goal side of, of Seedsman. If that ball goes anywhere else but where it went, we probably score and win the game. Oh, we do, because, as I said, I don't know if, it's on t- if it was on TV, but, but Betts Bet, was out the back like he was in that, in that last 30 seconds against yeah. Sydney. Yeah. So, so Seedsman has the Tex Walker kick. What he's got to do is just... Because the Hawthorne players yeah. have come up, and so he's all he's got is the kick over to Betts in the goal square, and so there, it's twenty one. It's, it's twenty one points was... ahead with three and a half to go. Exactly, game over. Crowds out of it. I agree with you, Pete. Yeah, I, no, that's what I'm agreeing with you there, Phoenix. But what Brody was trying to do was exactly as you said, but he kicked it too far in. So yes, he really did stuff it up, but he was which we know he can be a lot better than that. Um, so I don't know whether it was that pressure of the occasion that got to him, but, yeah, we don't want to and, see that again, particularly in a final. Yes, you know, look, I, you know, I'll, I'll go back and, and post later on this evening. But, yes, look, you know, everyone makes mistakes and there's lots of other instances in the game. And, of course, once once we, we lose possession at that point, of course, you know, then there are other mistakes that we can isolate, particularly, you know, the ruck throwing at the end and, and things like that. Yeah. But none of that happens. If, if None of that none yeah, of that happens. Yeah, if he hadn't made that hit. You know, and 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 at, I'm, I feel sure that as good as Hawthorne are, at 21 points down with three and a half to go, they're done. Yeah, I agree. They're toast. The thing that I'm interested in, and I don't know whether we'd ever find out, but I wonder whether Pikey made Brody accountable for that error because, in all honesty, he should have been made to feel it. You know, I know in, in Pike's um, press conference he was quite philosophical and, and, you know, fair enough, that's what you feed to the media. But I do hope that behind closed doors 
um, whether it be on a one-on-one or whatever, he made Brody accountable because that was a key moment where experienced players, and Brody is a, an experienced player now, experienced players just can't make those errors. He wasn't under a lot of pressure. I mean, the pressure of the occasion, yes, but he wasn't. Yeah. He was. He had five meters on his opponent, um, and he does have a habit of hooking his kicks um, under pressure. And he even hooks his kicks when he when he has a long shot for goal. Um, but he had ten meters between the seed and the boundary line, and fifty meters over the back of seedsman. He only had to hit that area. Um, so I hope I, it'll be interesting if we ever know whether Pikey actually makes Brody accountable for that and how Brody responds. But I think that, look, just, I guess, if, if you want to, you know, a sort of a, a main report, I guess, from what it was like at the ground, and I think the reason why I've emphasised that today is because, um, and, and I invite anybody else to post that, that was at the ground as well, because it, it was it was a moment that turned the crowd and it was a moment that, that turned Hawthorne. And so, anyway... Um, we move on from that. But um, other than that, look, you know, again, another terrific night of the football, 46,000 I think it was. Um, uh, Should have been more. I, I was a bit disappointed. I, I thought that there might have been a few more, but um, but, but 46 was the number. It was good for me because, you know, we had to try and get seats. But um, it was yeah. a, a, a terrific effort by our guys. I mean, I thought, you know, we played really well all night and very, very disappointing, of course, to lose. And so, but, you know, it is what it is. And so we... I, I still think that, you know, we win two out of the next three and we, we, we get this killer eight games out of the way and we're 5-3. We've got, you know, uh, five of our last seven games at home. I think we're really, really well set up if we can just get, you know, two of the next three. One thing that I'm interested to know, Pete, and Nikki and I talked about this on Sunday night, is whether any, and I know you said that you shut down with a couple of minutes left and put your head in your hands and all the rest of it, but we were talking about the lack of leadership at that last kick-out after Gunston's point. Um, was it noticeable on the ground that there was any attempt to organise to get a, uh, a hit-up kick from that um, kick-out? Because it certainly wasn't evident on the TV. No, I think I think Hang on, something Sorry, happens. I, I couldn't have been further away. We, we, missed, we missed all of that, Pete. Yeah, try it. Sorry. <laughs> you got me now? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say, I was, I was at the AFL members, so I was at the complete opposite end of where that was happening, so I couldn't have been in a worse position to actually see. So really all I was doing at that point was looking at the TV the TV monitor and, and all, so all I got was what you guys were getting. Yeah. Um, but I was so far away, so no, I, I, could, I could barely see it, so uh, I, I couldn't comment on that. Yeah. And incidentally, the person doing the kick out was Smith. Yeah, well, he was involved in three three yep. plays: the turnover, the tackle on on Poppy, um, and the oh, on that one, Poppy was actually interviewed the next day afterwards. Didn't realise he, he had a free said, kick. <laughs> yeah, and he also said there was no pressure on his back. And I watched it at the time, and I thought, yeah, Smith is actually hovering over the top, and he's actually more sideways. He fell to the side. Yeah, so it wasn't a free kick, but oh, oh well, happened. Yeah, I thought it was um, interesting. That, I thought it was interesting that the uh, uh, umpire interview thing they do they did today uh, focused mm-hmm. on the Isaac Smith dropped mark, but I personally thought it was that push in the back decision that was the the poor, the really poor decision. Yeah, Phoenix just Hello. on about whether Pike 
has, um, you know, made Brody accountable. Mm. I did watch the replay again of the the very end. Is that you? You know, we know how Pike is very calm in the box, mm. and when the siren goes, he whacks his hands down on the desk. There's this moment of frustration. He knows that that game has just been let slip. Oh yeah. But it's what happens after so, that that's interesting. Yeah. So I think I've always had the impression that if he needs to, he can be very strong. But he hasn't need to. Need I mean, it to get, yet. I mean, I guess not it goes, publicly. No, that's right. No, not publicly. And you and you wouldn't expect him to do it publicly, and that's why I said we'll probably never know. Um, but it goes towards some of the discussion that's been had on the, on the boards uh, since that game regarding accepting honourable losses. And I think probably that Hawthorne game could have very easily been a moment for Pikey to say, well, look, you know, you, you've probably done this in the past, but you've got to, this is a line in the sand moment. You, you can't continue to do that against top teams in big moments. Um, and yes, we've won close games. Uh, you know, I appreciate that. And I don't subscribe to the fact that we accept mediocrity as a club. However, no. as a team who's developing and as a team who wants to contend, I think I think a lot needs to be made of the fact that we had the running premiers beaten on their own deck and and regardless of the umpiring, we let it slip through our own mistakes. And I, and I do hope that it is a bit of a, la- a line in the sand moment uh, for our team and our club. Yeah, a few people <laughs> seem to have starting to throw the baby out of the out of the pram at the moment on, oh, we, we lose these close games all the time. Okay, fine. We have in the past, but this is a new coach. I want to see, and I'm going to withhold my judgment, I want to see how they respond. And I want to see how they respond when they get to a certain little section or a game very similar to this again. Do they make Good. the same mistakes? Guys, I'm just going to jump in. Sorry to interrupt. I'm just going to jump in. I've got to go. Um, some domestic duties are, are calling, so uh, I've got uh, I've got a half a car all sitting all across the, the lounge room at the moment. So better go. Right. Terrific to talk to you, and sorry to sorry to uh, only be able to jump in and out, but uh, we'll catch you next week in full. No, that's all right, mate. Thanks for uh, being boundary rider for us. It was good insight. Cheers, mate. See you, Pete. So, yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the club responds over the next uh, few weeks. Obviously, the proof will be in the next time we come up against a, a Hawthorne or a Sydney away or, you know, a West Coast at Subi or something like that and find ourselves in a similar position. But, um, you know. Big fella, you made a really good point. It's been something that I've been um, framing in my mind over the last couple of days while I've been stewing <clears throat> over the, the result. Um, he's just said, you need to lose games like that before you win them, just like finals. My my personal feeling, and I've not read the board because I hate reading the board after a loss, um, <laughs> yeah. is that we um, – it, it's the, the kind of result that can make a team. Yeah. And I know that's yeah. what you, you guys have been talking about, but it's just um, – if we'd won that game, we would have all been congratulating ourselves. Yeah, we're on the way. This is fantastic. But losing it, it 
it, look, it's either, again, what big fellas just said on the chat, it's either going to break us or it will make us. And I, I've just, until we see what happens now, we won't know, but I just hope like hell that this is our make and not our break. Yeah, and interesting, you know, in terms of our list demographic or profile, the stars are, have aligned in terms of that kind of game because we're so young, we're inexperienced, you know, we're carrying a lot of inexperience, new game plan, new coach, blah, 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 blah. So there, all, all that, all that, all that. Did you just scratch yourself? <laughs> that was that was for body magic. <laughs> he wanted somebody to rustle their microphone for a bit, so it felt like Pete was still here. Yeah, we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to make Pete put some money in the swear jar for that. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you, Danos, and I think you know we, we are a young team, and that kind of. Um, um, win or loss could be the making of us, and we're we're placed correctly to learn from that and to grow from that. There's plenty of upside in our group. Now, it's not me, like we're North Melbourne at the end of our at the end of our rope. For me, if we had won that game, thinking back on it now, I actually think that might have been a step backwards because we had so many poor performances. The fact that we got so close to them, having those poor performances to me, says that we're on the right track in a way. But if we had won it, I think that might have, as you said, we would have patted ourselves in the back. It would have glossed over those cracks again. That said, you want to win the game. Yeah, <laughs> If you've got the opportunity to win it, you want to win the game. Yeah, it's you do want like to win it. All this, all this retrospective philo- philosophical stuff is great, <laughs> but at the end of the day, they wanted we, we needed to win the game. I like the fact that they just look so hurt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the players had their entire heart, mind and soul in that. Yeah. And interesting, like, uh, to see how Brodie Smith bounce, bounces back. Uh, Rory Laird, who had an absolute shocker. Stinker. Uh, bounces, oh, uh, never seen him play like that. Um you know, those folks, even, you know, um, Josh Jenkins was quiet. Um, interesting to see how those blokes bounce back. Oh, and don't tell the board that David McKay pays his 150th game this weekend. Shh. Congrats, Dave. Yeah. Well done, Mac. It's a good effort. It's been a struggle for him over the last couple of years. And despite what people say, he's, he's playing, you know, quite well. He played quite well. He's having against... a good year. Yeah, played quite well against them again on Friday night. I would um, almost go as far to say as, uh, as as far as saying that he's possibly having on par a year as twenty oh nine. Yeah, and that was a good year. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, he'd be gaining confidence from that. He'd be gaining confidence from the faith that's been shown in him because you know they discarded VB pretty quick. So you know clearly there were a few on notice. Um, so hopefully he continues to build them. And, you know, with our game plan, we need that outside run. You know, that outside run yeah. and carry is vital to our success. So having having a McKay up and running along with, with Smith and Seedsman and, uh, you know, maybe later on Riley Knight or someone when, when he uh, breaks into the team, you know, that augurs well. So good on him. Treeman, are you talking about the Ackermanus article? 
Yeah, we had a, a message there whether we've read the article yet. It's like, yes, we, we've mentioned it earlier. All right, let's move on. Yeah, so um, we're, uh, we've hit the hour mark, so let's uh, leave that game behind us where it deserves to be and have a quick look forward to Frio. Um, first of all, do you see There's... any selection changes? Yeah, Brouch and uh, uh, Miller are, are apparently both fit, so... Well, they're being tested tomorrow. Now, the advertiser so, got it wrong, didn't they? They said that Crouch played in the SANFL, but he didn't, did he? No, he didn't. No, I forget who it was. That Maybe covered if they the, sent a journalist along. Yeah, well, they were covering um, Adelaide's injury position and they said, oh, you know, Crouch eased his way back in the SANFL. Well, he bloody didn't. So um, I, I could only see, um, I don't know whether they'd risk Miller to be honest, uh, quads can be a bit annoying like that. I can't see him coming back in either. Uh, he's not a 100-game automatic selection player. No. Yet. No, but and structurally think... we're pretty good and Lyons is doing his job. So. Yeah, which, and Charlie which... came in, did okay. It, it makes you wonder where um, Brouch would fit in if he is recalled. Uh, well, you would you would expect that um, Lions would be the obvious choice. The interesting, but he hasn't thing, been bad. No, 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 not at all. It's certainly no. be on form. Um, uh, and you wonder whether they, because Lions has got a bit of goal sense about him, and you, it makes you wonder whether they might just try and extend the rotation, you know, um, through midfield and up forward, and and just uh, stretch a little bit more. Well, it's it, certainly a good selection problem to have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Rolly Knight's still on the wings. In the wings, uh, Nicky said he was uh, just okay in the sample, but he's probably... Uh, yeah, for him. Yeah. Um, Menzel can't be too far away from uh, pushing selection. Oh, um, he, he got concussion on the weekend, didn't he? Yeah. Um, okay. I think it was friendly fire as part of the contest. Um, but interestingly enough that he then pushed up in the midfield and still actually had some really nice touches. And considering they then looked at him at quarter time and went, yeah, no, probably not a good idea for you to keep um, continue on. On that note, as I said on Sunday night, that I thought that Andy Otten would be referred to um, for his contact on the umpire. Yes, he has. Interestingly, that Tim Sumner, who's the one who hit him, um, was also referred directly to the tribunal. Now, I think it would be interesting in, as into what order they actually hear these cases. If they go Sumner first for the hit, because the club has said that Andy was concussed from that and they did take him off the ground shortly afterwards because he was showing signs of concussion. Now, you can't push an umpire in the back. You can't touch them. But at the time when I saw it, I thought he had no idea that was the umpire. He just wanted to get to Sumner. And I thought the trainers needed to actually go back and probably get him off um, because the way he'd been lying on the ground was slightly scary. So it'll be interesting to see what evidence the club provides regarding his state at the time that it happened and 
whether that will be taken into account, which I think it should be. Now, he might get a couple of weeks for it because you, you cannot touch an umpire, but I think there are very much extenuating circumstances to his advantage in a way. Well, I reckon we'll go in uh, unchanged. I don't reckon they'll bring Crouch back in for free. I think they'll give him an extra week. Uh, I don't think they'll bring Miller back yeah. in. And I reckon they'll uh, they'll throw it down to the uh, the team that played Hawthorne and say, all right, go and make amends. So that's I, I doubt whether we'll see a change. The only interesting point was some suggestion that they, we might upgrade uh, Riley O'Brien and give uh, Sauce a rest, uh, given uh, no Sandlands. Uh, but I, I can't see that happening. Me neither. So Jacobs, he loves that continuity. And I think that's how he thrives. So to give people going, oh, he needs a rest, it's like, I actually think that's that's possibly detrimental to him. Um, if he's in a way. Something. Yeah. If he is, then they might do it. But um, Rob's, Rob's timing was just shocking on the weekend. That was one of the worst games I've seen him play. What do you reckon, Dan, unchanged? Um, unless they try and find a spot for Brouch, uh, I can't see any reason why we would change that lineup. Yeah, I think with a hamstring, you put him back through the SNFL, you don't bring him into the AFL. Oh, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I reckon they might rest him again. Um, kid gloves. If you're going to play him, you may as well play him yeah. in, in, in the ones. I don't, I don't think there's anything to be served playing him in the twos. Um, I think they might uh, might make him sit out for another week. Mind you, the twos are down at South Adelaide, and that's bloody cold. Yeah, uh, no unforced changes for mine. Uh, Frio, obviously, uh, decimated by injury. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see what sort of attitude they bring to the game. I expect them to come out and try and win, obviously, but I don't expect them to uh, stay in the contest for too long once we get on top. I think it'll probably be them trying to be as dour as possible for the first half and then it'll open up in the second half. I think we'll probably win by anywhere between 10 and 15 goals. Ooh, big call. Nick, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think for me anything less than probably the the 10 goals Depending on that that weather as to whether it does rain or not, um, that might affect it a little bit on the Friday because I think the showers aren't coming till like late afternoon, evening. So, but that does make it a little bit slippery. Yeah. But I think we we need to come out and make a statement. And those players, I want to see us go in unchanged. I want to see Pikey back them in, and I want to see those players actually make the effort to improve on last week's performance. Well, this year with the, with the flat competition, uh, percentage is going to be really important. And I think you've got to take games like these and play four quarters of solid football and, and maximise yeah. your percentage. So it will be disappointing if we just coast in. Uh, already taking the foot off the pedal against Port and Richmond might come back to bite us. Uh, I'd hate to see us cruise to a six-goal win against Frio, um, weather permitting, I reckon, about 10. And we need percentage. We're, we're sitting outside the eight currently on percentage. Yeah, on percentage, exactly. So we need we need to maximise our, our points for this week. 
All right, guys. Well, uh, 67, 68 minutes. That's probably long enough for us to uh, prattle on. It's been nice having you back, Dan Oz. Yay. Hopefully uh, not too much of a break again before you're back on a regular spot because God knows people are sick of listening to me and Nicky. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next week I'll, I won't be around, but after, uh, the week after that I should be back in. Very good. Back in Adelaide. Yay. And Nikki, people are going to start talking about us. We keep bobbing up at the same time. So uh, I'd just like to publicly <laughs> declare that uh, uh, it's, it's, it's just casual between us, isn't it? Just casual? Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Just a bit on the side. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, there you go. Coleslaw. There you go. What did I say on the boards today? Hook it, it, like gives it up to Cox and then there's a bit of side bottom? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. On that and, note. And a dentist, a dentist with a centimetre perfect. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's special. See, I remembered. I'm calling it. Good night, guys. <laughs> See ya. Good night.